what a joy it is to, to be with you all here today and uh, just to be able to go to, to God's word and to be able to enjoy his word and enjoy fellowship uh, together. Today we are going to continue our series of the questions that Christ, Christians hope no one will ask. And we're going to do that today by simply answering the question, is, isn't the church full of hypocrites? Amen? Isn't the church full of hypocrites? A couple of weeks ago marked the one-year anniversary of Robin Williams' tragic death. And here's a quote by Williams, that great comedian who tragically died and by ending his own life. And here's what he says. He says, for me, comedy starts as a spew, a kind of explosion, and then you sculpt it from there, if at all. It comes out of a deeper, darker side. Maybe it comes from anger because I'm outraged by cruel absurdities, the hypocrisy that exists everywhere, even with yourself, where it's hardest to see. And I love the way he ended that quote, hypocrisy that exists everywhere, even with yourself, where it's hardest to see. Mark Middleberg wrote a, a wonderful book by which we are, I have based this series, simply entitled The Questions That Christians Hope No One Will Ask. And that book was basically based off of a national survey that was done asking uh, individuals, what are some of the toughest questions that Christians can answer? And fourth on that list was this question. Isn't the church full of hypocrites? Aren't Christians just hypocrites? And that's why it's important for us to look at this matter today to see uh, whether or not the church is full of hypocrites and, and for us to have a clear picture of what a hypocrite is and what a hypocrite is not and if we are walking in hip hypocrisy today in our own hearts that the Lord would deliver us and that he will heal us. So we're going to break this off into to three uh, movements. And the first movement we want to look at today is we simply want to define hypocrisy. We want to look at hypocrisy defined. How do we define hypocrisy? The new Oxford American Dictionary defines hypocrisy this way. It says, hypocrisy is claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. It is pretense. Now, the label comes from, the label hypocrite comes from the ancient Greek word that was a technical term for a stage actor. A good actor was called a hypocrite. But in time, the word came to describe people who were guilty of intentional forms of deception. So hypocrites are mask wearers. They are actors. They are those who... Uh, will not acknowledge that what they are doing is wrong. I like what Middleburg says in his book, once again, he says, the problem is not so much that they sin or fail, it's that they pretend that they don't. A hypocrite is a person who is inauthentic, who is unwilling to admit they're not really who they say they are. Hypocrites are frauds and imposters. They are people living a lie. People living a lie. You know, I found that most people who have problems with, with Christians and who use this as a reason to not follow Christ, hypocrisy in the church, that 
that oftentimes at the very core of what they're saying is they're, they're saying that they don't like fake people. They're saying that they don't like to be around people who act like they're perfect and who put on a facade like they've got it all together because they know that no one really does. And here's the, here's the thing about that. I, I, I agree with them completely. I agree with them completely. And I believe even more so Jesus agrees with them completely in that Jesus didn't like fake people. Jesus didn't like hypocrites. Some of his harshest words came against people who pretended that they had everything together externally, while internally they didn't. And Jesus spoke to that issue. So turn your Bibles real quick to Matthew 23. And we're going to look at how Jesus dealt, dealt with hypocrites. Matthew 23. When you get there, just say, got it. Listen to this. This is a precious, authentic, sufficient, and errant word of God. And, and this is how it reads. I'm going to read a lot here, so bend your knees a little bit and wiggle around. Amen. <laughs> it says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their pericolitaries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others, but You are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Verse 13, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind man, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. 
And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected, neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of a cup and a plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the outside of a cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Somebody say hypocrites. For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying if we have lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part of them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, and you broad of vipers. How are you to escape, be, escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Bacchariah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. And then in verse 37, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, a city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers abroad under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. So here in Matthew chapter 23, we see that Jesus is, is addressing the Pharisees. And right before chapter 23 and chapter 22, verse 41 through 46, just before Jesus gives his discourse, the Pharisees have simply denied Christ. I mean, they have denied that, that Jesus is who he says he is. And that's just not a, a small thing. That's not them just missing the mark by a little. It is them failing to recognize that Jesus is the God of the universe. And if anyone should have recognized that Jesus is who he said it, he was, it should have been those who were the religious leaders of the day. It should have been those who were sitting on the seat of Moses, who were called and given instruction to, to lead the people of God, Israel. But they weren't. And six times in this passage, we see Jesus called them out. He calls them hypocrites. He calls them play actors. He says, it is like you are actors on a stage, putting on a show before other people. And real quick, we're going to just kind of move through this very quick. I'm not going to reread it over and over. You can write this down. But, but here's some things as we talk about defining hypocrisy, hypocrisy defined. We see a few things in this text. In verses 1 through 5, we see that hypocrisy doesn't practice what it preaches. Hypocrisy does not practice what it preaches. In verse 3, he says, for they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay it on people's shoulders. That's a hypocrite person who is not practicing what 
they're preaching. They're not even trying to. Second, we see that hypocrisy is all about self-elevation. It's all about self-exaltation. Verse 6, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace, and they love being called rabbi by others. A hypocrite is a person who not only doesn't practice what they preach, but they're a person who just wants attention. They want to be exalted. They want to be the, the center of attention. And we see that Jesus draws that out for six verses through verses 6 through 12. But then in verses 13 through 28, he makes this point. He says, hypocrisy has a religion that misses the heart of God. He he goes on to talk about all the things that the Pharisees do do. But he he knows that the, the Pharisees are missing the very heart of God. They are making a big deal out of smaller things. But the things that really matter, righteousness justice, equity, loving people as yourself, they they neglect. Fourth, hypocrisy hates God's true work and God's true people. A hypocrite is a person who comes against the people of God and against the true work of God, and we see that in verse 29 through 36. We see that Jesus points out the fact that their forefathers, Israel's forefathers, killed the prophets that came before him. And that they were likewise the same type of people. I mean, he uses some hard, hard words. Verse 31, thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murder the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you bride of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify. And some you will flog in your synagogues and and persecute a, a hypocrite. A play actor, someone who's putting on a good show, but at the end of the day, those who are really have the heart of God, they will persecute them and turn the tables on them. But here's something that I think is just quite quite amazing. Something that we ought to remind ourselves as Christians about Jesus is that hypocrisy it breaks the heart of Jesus. It absolutely breaks the heart of Jesus. Hear the heart of Jesus in verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her broad under her wings and you were not willing. You were not willing. Hypocrisy hurts the very core of Jesus. Because God does not want any of us to live in bondage and to live in hypocrisy. So Jesus, just like non-Christians, despises hypocrites. He despises those who pretend and to play to love God. But inside, they know that they don't. And they do things for their own selfish gain. In fact, the scriptures are just full of 
verses that talk about hypocrisy. I, I was just meditating on them and reading them all through the week, and I, I did. I just wanted to read through them all. There was about, about 30 great verses about hypocrisy in the Bible, but, but we won't have time. But here's a few just to show the heart of God and how, how God, too, dislikes hypocrisy. It says, 1 John 4, 20, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he, does not love his, for he who does not love his brother, whom he, had, whom he has seen, cannot love whom he has not seen. 1 John 4, 20. A hypocrite is a person who says they love God, but they don't, they don't even like their own brother or sister in Christ. Matthew 7 and 5, Jesus says, when talking about judging others, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. James 1, 26, if, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but, de- but deceives his heart, that person has a religion that is worthless for true religion. Looks out after orphans, amen, and widows. They just talk the talk, but walks the walk. Matthew 6, 1 through 2. And a lot of times when we think about hypocrisy, we just think about it in terms of, of, of someone pretending. But listen to what Jesus says is hypocrisy. Matthew 6, 1 through 2. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen that by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as hypocrites do. In the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Bible says so much about hypocrisy. In that same chapter, 15 verse, Jesus says this, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. It's hypocrisy. Putting on a a show, appearing one way on the outside while inside. They know that there's something, something else going on. 2 Timothy 3 and 5. There are those who have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. Avoid such people. So what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is someone who is inauthentic. A hypocrite is someone who is unwilling to admit that they're not really who they say they are. And we're going to hold off from asking the question, is the church full of hypocrites? Because I want to show you one more demonstration of hypocrisy. So we looked at hypocrisy defined. Now let's look at hypocrisy demonstrated. Turn your Bibles real quick to, to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Let's look at verse 9 through 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14, here's another picture of hypocrisy. The parable that Jesus told, verse 9 says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, uh-oh, and the other a tax collector. 
The Pharisee standing by himself prayed, Thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. It was only really required that he fast twice a year. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So in the parable in verse nine, Jesus tells us why he is saying the parable, giving the parable. It says he told, uh, I'm sorry, Luke says why Jesus told the parable. He also told the parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Then he gives us a picture of two people, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector, one in the eyes of the people is is righteous, is the leader of the day, is the spiritual hero the other day, the other, the tax collector by the people were seen as uh, as a crook, as someone that no one liked, right? I mean, after all, he was collecting taxes, right? But this this parable is shocking in what Jesus does with it. He he, he points out some things in the, the Pharisee, the one that you expect to be righteous, but the one who throughout his ministry, he called out for hypocrisy. And look what the text says about the Pharisee. Number one, it says that he stood in front. He was in front of everyone. Second, he, he prayed aloud. Third, the text says that he exalted himself. He gave five eyes in this text. Verse 11 says, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Self-righteous. self Exalt, and even in exalting himself, can you see the scene in front of the synagogue praying this prayer, chest out, head up, feeling good, feeling like he's got the cat's meow, and he's got the cat by the tail, and then he has the nerve in his prayer to say, I thank God I'm not like him. is that hypocrisy it's hypocrisy because he's just like him it's like we're just like him and that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and none of us have it all together and that's what a hypocrite does they 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 act and live as if they have it all together they're not vulnerable. They're not, they're not weak. But notice this tax collector. Notice what he does. The, the exact opposite of this Pharisee. It's just short and it's, it's sweet. It pleases God. He says in verse 13, but the tax collector, notice he, he didn't stand in front. He standing afar off. And he was so humbled and so broken that he wouldn't even lift up his eyes towards heaven. The Bible says, but he he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Listen, the the Pharisee, he, he prayed, but he never asked God for anything. 
All he talked about is what he was given to God. And this tax collector doesn't mention anything that he's given to God. He recognized that he's needy. And he asked from God, God, be merciful to me. Oh, that that would be the posture of us all. Lord, be merciful to me. A hypocrite is a person who's really blind to their own sin. And they see the wrong in everyone else but themselves. I don't know if you read this story, but according to the Chicago Tribune, there was a man named Joe from Rockford, Illinois. And Joe ran a live internet sex site called Video Fantasy. And Joe had a 10-year-old son. And on his home computer, Joe installed some filtering software to limit the uh, surfing that his son could do on the internet. And Joe explained why. He says, it's not that I keep him sheltered, but my wife and I pay close attention to what he reads, what he watches on TV, and what he does on the computer because we have a responsibility to him to be the best parents we can be. Now, Joe's sense of responsibility to his son seems commendable, but he doesn't have that same responsibility towards other people's kids and other adults as he runs this website. And that's the, that's the heart of hypocrisy. That's the heart of hypocrisy. It is protecting and, and using one set of morality for maybe yourself or for your family because you care about yourself or your family or putting on a front because you care about something, but really you don't care about other people. And that's what, the, that's what the Pharisees were guilty of. Their religion was self-focused. So how do we defeat hypocrisy? We looked at hypocrisy defined. We looked at it demonstrated here with the tax collector and the Pharisee. Let's, let's talk about how hypocrisy is defeated. And I want us to turn to Matthew. Turn back to Matthew, not chapter 23, but chapter 27. And then I'll answer the question straight out, is the church full of hypocrites? Matthew 27, how, how is hypocrisy defeated? You may be sitting here today and you say, you know what, I, I, I'm a hypocrite. I'm, I'm putting on an external show. I'm, I'm doing a religious things, but I know inside, in my heart, that there's no transformation and I'm, I'm not walking with anyone. I'm not telling anyone my struggle. I just, I just hide it. I, I bury it. And then I act as if I'm not struggling. That's a hypocrite. How, how is hypocrisy defeated? I want to read one more snapshot and group of verses to you. Starting at verse 41 in Matthew 27. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Verse 45, now 
From the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, la sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Verse 41. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. So what does this have to do about hypocrisy? Well, it has a lot to do about hypocrisy because hypocrisy... The notion and that temptation in all of our hearts to fake it until we make it. Or just fake it, even if we don't make it, just fake it. Right? Act like we have it together. Put our best foot forward in front of people. Don't be vulnerable. Don't be transparent. This, this temptation for us to do that, it needs to be put at the feet of Jesus. It needs to be surrendered at the feet of Jesus. And the only way we will surrender our hypocrisy to Jesus is if we see what he's done for us and is if we see Jesus as who he is. Listen, Jesus is the only one who truly practices what he preaches. Jesus told his disciples and he prepared his disciples while he was walking with them. He let them know that I won't be with you always, that the Son of Man is going to be crucified. And the Bible says that when a time came for him to be crucified, guess what? He was crucified. Philippians 2 said that he submitted himself to the point of death. Yes, even death on a cross. Jesus is the only one who perfectly practiced what he preaches. He did not sin. He obeyed God. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he obeyed God. When he was tempted and and wanted to find another way to, he said, Father, not my will, but your will. Second, Jesus exalts and obeys God even when he is called a hypocrite. In verses 41 through 44, we see it says that the chief priests were mocking him. The elders, the religious leaders were mocking him. And what were they saying? He saved others. He cannot save himself. What are they saying? He's a hypocrite. He's a play actor. He really doesn't have power. If he was who he said he is, then he could get himself out of this situation. Jesus then was, could have easily been tempted to go back on his word, to not do what he said he was going to do. But in the face of that temptation, Jesus obeyed God. And look at what Jesus did for you and for me. Jesus allowed himself to be separated from God in order to die for our shameful religion. We see in the text that verse 44 and 45 that Jesus went on the cross, and while he was on the cross, the Bible says about the ninth hour, he cried out to the Lord, Eli, Eli, la sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God's face did not shine upon Jesus on the cross because Jesus was bearing the sins of the world. And his wrath was being poured out on his son. And Jesus was separated from God, so to speak, at that hour, at that time, in order to bring us near to God. 
Hypocrisy is defeated by Jesus because he practices what he preaches. Hypocrisy is defeated by Jesus because he obeyed in the face of adversity. Hypocrisy is defeated by Jesus because he was willing to endure God's wrath for our place. But it's also defeated by Jesus because there is a new work that he instituted. A new way. The Bible says in verse 51 that the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And that the earth shook and that the rocks were split. That while Jesus was dying on the cross, while the S-U-N refused to shine, the S-O-N was shining. That while Jesus was on the cross, there was a work happening in the temple, even though he was outside the gate. And that curtain in the temple, that, that veil that separated us from God was torn in two. So that now, as Hebrews 4 says, we can go boldly before the Lord with our prayers and with our petitions, with confidence. That we can take our true selves to God. And we can be accepted because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Because we've been justified. Because he substituted himself in our stead. Because he took our rap sheet and gave us his, his righteousness, an alien righteousness. That's not based upon performance, that's not based upon our good works, but that is only achieved by grace through faith. Jesus defeats hypocrisy, Christian. Jesus is inviting us to a life that is not filled with pretense, to a life that is not filled with a mass, but a life that is free in Christ for who the Son sets free is, is free indeed. And there's no condemnation in him. We, Christian, can be real before the Lord and not just real before the Lord. We, Christian, we can be real with each other because the worst thing that has ever been said about you was said over 2,000 years ago. And it was nailed to a cross and it was buried in a grave. So why put on a front? Why keep it in the dark? Why live your life as a stage act? When you can come before the Lord and say, Lord, you already know who I am. <laughs> you already know what I'm into. This is where I am, Lord. Help me, forgive me. Give me strength. Point me to a brother or sister in Christ that I can be vulnerable with, who will preach a gospel of grace, a gospel that points me to Jesus but encourages me to grow. Hey, I, I think that it's important as Christians that we know these biblical truths. Luke 12, 2 says this. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. But those who profess to be Christians and who may be living a life of a hypocrite right now, that one day it will be revealed. Psalm 101.7 says, No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Now, we all fall into deceit, 
And we all are tempted by Satan and, and sin. But what makes a hypocrite a hypocrite is that they practice the sin. It's not just that they, they sin or they, they fall into a time of, of practicing sin. It's that they're covering it up. And acting as if they don't even struggle with it. And then what I found is the people who do that, the strongest and the hardest, right? And who, who have no grace for other people are really the people that's most entangled. Listen to this, 1 Peter 2, 16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. There was a website called Ashley Madison, who some of you may have have heard about, Um, a website that was dedicated to helping people have an affair. And I believe it was this week or last week, uh, I'm sorry, last week, the website got hacked. And millions of names were exposed. Individuals who went on this website to have a secret affair with others. And millions of people are now out in the light. They say that, uh, I I, I believe I I read or or saw a headline that said that 10,000 government officials were found on that website. Everything that's done in dark will be exposed. And the, the sin has a way of, 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 of duping us and making us stuck on stupid, doesn't it? It, it? it tells us that we're safe, that it's okay, that no one will ever find out, that and nothing, nothing bad will happen or, or come as a result. And what, is, what our minds are doing, what Satan is tempting us to do is exactly what happened in the garden. Just, Satan is telling us that God is a lie and that what he said will not come to pass. That the wages of sin is not death. But it is. And if you are walking in hypocrisy, confess your sin and be healed. And know that the worst has all, things that could be said about you has already been said and judged and nailed to a cross. Find help, find community, because you, you don't have to fake it till you make it. And this is a church, this is a place where you don't have to fake it till you make it. This is a place where you can find grace. This is a place where the leaders and the pastors and, and, and most of the members that I know, they already know that you messed up. And they know that they're messed up. But you know, in order, you can't spell Messiah without spelling mess. <laughs> and we've got a Messiah that specializes in taking a mess and taking a wretch and taking that which is fallen, that which is broken, and making it whole again. I got a front. I was about to go to, my mind went back real quick to an old song called Frontin' by Pharrell, amen. You just frontin', right? 
It's not, not a place to front. It's a place to be real. So, real quick, to those who are on the outside looking in, by the outside looking in, I mean you say that, that maybe you're not a Christian and you, you, you pose this question, isn't the church full of hypocrites? Um, I, I want to give you a, a quick perspective and say this. Number one, there are some who profess to be Christians who are not Christians. You need to understand that. Everyone who says they're a Christian is not a Christian. It's like everything that parks in a garage is not a car. All right? And everything that says chicken on it is not real chicken. You got to read the back, read the label, right? Some other stuff is all mixed in, all right? It's pork and everything else, all right? Second, understand that there is a degree to which every Christian has hypocrisy in their lives. Every Christian has. The only person who does not have hypocrisy in them is God. There ain't got no hypocrisy in me. You do. But here's the third thing, and here's the thing that I think that you probably don't see is this, is that every true Christian, though we have hypocrisy in us, we are in a process called sanctification. And sanctification is a work by which God is making us to look less and less like ourselves and more and more like Jesus. And sometimes the things we say and we do, it comes off as hypocritical, um, it comes off as us being fake, when really it's just what the Bible says that we are. Yes, we are saints. Yes, we are redeemed. Yes, we have been made new, but we still have issues. And the difference between us as a Christian and a person who's not a Christian is God is committed to helping us get through those issues. He has saved us from the penalty of sin, and he is in the process of saving us from the power of sin. He's, and as we look to him more and look to ourselves less, we'll look more like him. So is the church full of hypocrites? The church, the true church, is full of sinners saved by grace. But the true church is not hypocrites. Maybe you're kind of like Gandhi in your heart. You're saying something to the effect, you know what? I would follow Jesus if it wasn't for the church being full of hypocrites. Or Christians is what's keeping me from becoming a Christian. I, I just want to encourage you by letting you know that Jesus told you to follow him and not Christians. If that's your excuse, that's a bad excuse. Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't say, follow your coworker who has the Jesus fish on the back of their car and who cusses like a sailor and who has a negative attitude. He says, follow me. And he says, I'll give you rest and I'll give you peace. In closing, I'm reminded by the words of R.C. Sproul in his book, The Reason to Believe. He says this, there is a real sense in which all of us are hypocrites to some degree. When we seek to present a public image of ourselves that is better than we are, we play the game of hypocrite. The ultimate issue about Christianity is the person and work of Christ. The real question we must ask is, was Christ a hypocrite? And again, my answer to you is no. 
So follow him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, as, as sinners who fall short of your glory, to not worship our sin, to not make an idol out of our shortcomings in a way that allows us to, to see our sin and to be condemned and to think that we'll never change. Help us, Father God, to worship Jesus, the, the sin breaker, the sin shatterer. Help us to know, Father, that he can give us freedom. Make us long for more of you and less of us. Protect our hearts, Father God, for emphasizing the things we want to emphasize in Christianity. And not emphasizing the things that you emphasize. Like loving your neighbor as yourself. Lord, we trust your Holy Spirit to sanctify us. We trust your your word to make us look more like your son. Help us to trust it even more. I pray for that person here who's not giving their life to Jesus because they, they think that every Christian is a hypocrite. I pray, Father God, that you would draw their hearts to you and help them to see themselves, to see that they are sinners, that they sin against the holy God, that their works and their righteousness, no matter how much they try and how much they do, can never satisfy you, that the only person and the only thing that can satisfy you is Jesus, and the only way to Jesus is by repenting of their sin and by turning to trust him. Help them to be like that tax collector today, Father God, to to bow their heads and in their hearts, Lord, to say, Lord, have mercy on me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.